How many of you have ever hit a pothole when you were driving and didn't realize it was there? Right? Unbelievable when that happens. My wife usually gets very dramatic when I drive, believe it or not. And one of the things she will always say is, you don't look right in front of you when you're driving. He said, didn't you see that? And my reply would be, it snuck up on me. I didn't see it coming. We've been in a series called Potholes, where we've been talking about emotions that sneak up on us when we don't expect it. And we finish up the series today with one that comes upon us in a flash, and we don't even know it's coming, and that's anger, anger. We're going to look at the first time the word anger has ever been used in Scripture. And throughout this series, if you've paid attention, we've been in the Old Testament. We stay there today in Genesis chapter 4. It's the story of Cain and Abel. Whose sons were Cain and Abel? Adam and Eve, all right? Two sons, two brothers, Cain and Abel. Verse 2, Genesis chapter 4 says, Now Abel kept flocks, which means he was a what? A shepherd. Cain worked the soil, which means he was a what? A farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. At this point, we don't know that that was required of them, but Cain and Abel seemed to bring these offerings to the Lord as a result of honoring him who blessed them. So Cain brings his offering in verse 4. But Abel, the younger brother, brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel in his offering, but on Cain in his offering, he did not look with favor. Understand, God looks at the person, and then he looks at the offering, meaning he sees the heart first. He sees Abel is giving from his first fruits given from the fat, right? He's given the best of what he has to God. Cain, the implication though, is he said, whatever I have left over, I'll give to God. And so Abel is saying, God, I recognize everything is from you. I owe you my life. I owe you all everything for the way you've blessed me. Here's the best that I have to give. Abel's offering is accepted, blessed, Cain is rejected. Verse 5 gives Cain's response. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And this is the very first time we see the word angry used in Scripture. Researchers have identified 34,000 emotions that you and I can have. 34,000. Some find that hard to believe. Others of you maybe live with someone and said, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Maybe on the low side, right? If we were to take these emotions and identify them, primarily we have three emotions, happy, sad, and angry. These are the emojis if you like emojis. Happy, sad, or angry. Out of the 34,000, 
these are the basic three. In anger, probably more than any of the others, except maybe fear, are the most contagious. If a fearful person enters into a room, chances are everybody in the room might get scared. If an angry person enters the room, the room's going to take the flavor of that person's emotion. In fact, a study by Dr. Daniel Goleman explained how all emotions can be contagious. He writes this, emotions are more contagious than the flu. The dynamic is so powerful that in one study, three volunteers sat silently in a circle for two minutes. And at the end of that time, the most emotionally expressive person transmitted his or her mood to the other two without saying a word. In every such session, the mood that was the most expressive person had going in was also the mood the other two felt coming out, whether it was happy, bored, anxious, or angry. You mean, yeah, that's right. I understand that. I've got somebody that lives in my household or I've got somebody that I'm friends with. When they enter into a room, they set the temperature of that room without even trying. And so we read... Cain was very angry. Here's what we see, verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why? Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what's right, here's the warning. If you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Verse 6, God asked Cain a question, and that's the question I want us to wrestle with today, and I encourage you to wrestle with it over the next few days. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? It's important to notice that God doesn't tell Cain how he should feel. He asks him, why do you feel this way? Why are you angry? And he wants him to identify it in order to stop it. I think for a lot of us, we've just never learned to do that. Maybe we grew up in a church or we grew up in a home that basically had three kinds of feelings. The feelings that you should feel, the feelings that you shouldn't feel, and if you don't feel the way you should feel, you better start feeling the way you should feel, right? Not biblical, not much help, but if you don't feel the way you're supposed to be feeling, you better start feeling that way right now, where God says, no, no. He wants Cain to identify it in order to overcome it. Not all anger is sinful or evil, although most would fall into that category. There are some exceptions, but Ephesians chapter 4 says, in your anger, do not sin. There's a protective anger or a righteous anger. That's what happened when we see Jesus go into the temple and overturn the tables because the people have turned um, the house of the Lord into a marketplace. 
they were asking more money for things and requiring sacrifices, kind of turned it into an airport economy where everything was four times as much on the inside as it was on the outside. And Jesus gets angry. He's not angry because he's been offended. He's angry because the people were being taken advantage of. When Jesus got angry, it was always to protect the vulnerable. Most of our anger, though, especially today, comes because we feel we've been insulted or we've been treated unjustly. Not the case at all with Jesus. Remember when he's being mocked, when he's being ridiculed, when he's being unjustly accused, the Bible says he stood before his accusers and he was what? Silent. Nailed to a cross, brutally beaten, and yet he says, Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. It's not because Jesus is offended. It's not even because he's hurt or hurting in pain. Jesus is angry on behalf of those who are vulnerable. That's a righteous anger. That's a protective anger. Sometimes anger is okay because it has a purpose. It's a purposeful anger. It prepares our body for a fight or flight response, so to speak. You're in a position where you're being abused, attacked, threatened. It prepares you to fight or to a flight, to get away out of there. God's wired us for that. But most anger wouldn't fall under the categories of purposeful or protective. So why is Cain angry? I think you could point to a number of things, but ultimately he's angry because he's comparing himself to his brother, and life just doesn't seem fair for him. He looks at his brother, he gets jealous. He looks at his brother and gets disappointed. So he's got this bitter, bitter, disappointed anger inside of him. And he looks at Abel and begins to take it out on him. Why? He didn't do anything. There are three primary colors. Anybody know the three primary colors there are? What are they? Wow, you guys passed kindergarten. That, that is awesome. Red, yellow, and blue. Just as there are three primary roots of anger. Hurt, frustration, and fear. If you're angry, it's coming from one of those three zones to help you identify. You say, why am I angry? Am I hurting? Am I frustrated? Am I fearful of something? We have to get to the root. And it's easier to be angry at other people when we don't take responsibility for ourselves. And that's exactly what's happening with Cain and Abel. Cain takes it out on Abel, but Abel didn't do anything. Anger, most of the time, is a secondary emotion. How many ever had, well, right now, how many have the check engine light on in your car? 
One, two, three, four. Yeah, we're in the same boat. The little white car, little white Jeep that I drove this morning um, has like over 140,000 miles on it. The check engine light is on. What I need to do is go get some black electrical tape so I don't see it anymore, right? That's what most mechanics like me do. It's screaming. It's saying there's something wrong. I mean, well, it's still running. Still running. But it's saying there's something wrong. You need to check under the hood. There's a reason that little light is flashing and on. When anger flashes, when anger rears its head in our lives, it's saying, hey, look under the hood of your heart. There's something wrong here. There's something going on in your life, in your heart, that's causing you to lash out at someone else. Maybe for you it's fear. Fear often cries out sideways and becomes anger. There's something that's much easier about saying I'm angry than saying I'm scared. Saying I'm angry seems more powerful, although it's not. Saying I'm scared means I'm vulnerable, and we don't like that. One of the things God taught me as a husband and a father years ago when my kids or kids were young is oftentimes when anger would flash, it would simply mean I was scared. I was scared about their future. I was scared about maybe who they would end up marrying. I was scared about the direction our family was going. And most of the time when I get scared, it's because I can't control something. I like to be in control. And whenever I'm not in control, I found over the years that I become angry because I'm scared. Fear can be the root of it. Sometimes that light flashes like we saw, see with Cain. It's flashing because of a conviction inside. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's shame. Like you know you need to make a life change. You need, know you need to make a heart change. And if you don't, your life is never going to be what God intended it to be. And so anger, again, rears its ugly head because you're angry at yourself because you're not who you want to be. And so you become angry at everyone else around you. Or sometimes it flashes because it's pointing to fatigue. Fatigue. See that a lot these days? Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but I think we don't talk about COVID much anymore, but I think COVID has less left in its wake a lot of really angry people. You notice that when you drive? You notice that at Giant Eagle? Oh, wow. Try getting in front of somebody these days in line. Whoo. It was, uh, oh, a few, back in the summer, Brent and I were walking into Dick's uh, to buy some stuff before vacation, beach chairs or something. And a guy starts up a car and pulls beside me. And it sounds like a, like one of the little toy cars that I would get our kids 
you know, those little electric cars? We bought him a Jeep and a little pink Corvette for Brie. It sounded like that. That's what the car sounded like. I turned to Brent and I said, man, that, I don't like those cars. I don't even like the way they sound. It was a Tesla. <laughs> little I know that God could hear me. I didn't say anything about the guy. I just said, honey, I don't like the way those cars sound. I don't like them. He pulled up 10 feet, rolled his window down, gave me every sign language you could give, and let me just have it. And I, ooh, wow. He wonder about you. Is this a car? But people are on edge because they're wore out, they're frustrated, and if we're not careful, we can go to bed angry, we can wake up annoyed, and we're always irritated and we're really not sure where it came from. The New Testament book of James addresses the question of why are you angry? What I want to do is kind of overlay James chapter 4 with Genesis chapter 4 because James's description of anger kind of matches where Cain and Abel's story is. James chapter 4 verses 1 through 3, he addresses the question. He says, what's causing, what's causing you to be angry? What's causing the fights and quarrels among you? Doesn't that anger come from, don't those quarrels come from the evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. That's Cain and Abel. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war and take it from them. If you can't have it, they can't have it either. You don't have it, though, James says, because you don't ask God. When you feel like your expectations are being met, when you feel disappointed, when you begin to feel bitter, take that before God and let him know your needs. The verse 3 says, though, even when you do that, you don't receive it because you're asking with the wrong motives. There's a selfishness to it. And spend what you don't get on your own pleasure, what you get on your own pleasure. So he starts by asking, what causes the fights and quarrels among you? In other words, what is it that really is making you angry? Why are you angry? And he says, in fact, it's because you want something that you're not getting. You're not getting your way. I think most of us say, yeah, okay, some of the time. But if you really ask me, Jeff, why I'm angry, what causes me to be angry, I'm not going to tell you a thing. I'm going to tell you a who. I'm not going to tell you a thing. I'm going to tell you a who. The question for a lot of us when it comes to anger is not what makes me angry. It's who makes me angry. And in our minds, if this person would just do some things differently, I wouldn't be so angry, so ticked off. It's not my fault I'm an angry person. It's their fault. If he would just start listening to me, if she would just stop antagonizing me, if my child would stop being so childish, if my teenager would stop being so teenagey, right? <laughs> if my husband was more engaged, if my wife was more supportive, if my friend wasn't so selfish, if my boss wasn't so demanding, if my coworker wasn't so irritating, I wouldn't be angry. It's not a what for a lot of us, it's a who. 
And so the challenge is to stop thinking about our anger as a who and start taking responsibility for the what that we want that we're not getting. Let me repeat that. The challenge is that we stop thinking about the who and start taking responsibility for the what that we're not getting. Maybe it's respect. You're not getting it, so you get angry. Maybe you want to be noticed or appreciated. You're not being noticed and appreciated, so you get angry. You want somebody to agree with you. If they would just see it your way, your heart would change. James says, look at what you're not getting. That's probably where your anger is. And so he says those famous words in James 1.19, be quick to listen, be quick to slow to, and slow to become angry. And then verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. If you're living life out of this human anger where you're slow to listen, you're quick to speak and quick to become angry, you're not going to live the life that God desires you to live. It's not going to reflect God's purposes. And that's what happens. Verse 8, Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go to the field. <clears throat> While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and what? Killed him. You say, Jeff, I'd never do that. Come on. I'd never kill somebody. I just like to vent sometimes. I just like to yell, call some names, throw some things. It's just the way God's wired me. Or maybe... For you, you get sarcastic. It's easier to be sarcastic, right? That way nobody gets offended. You can just say, oh, I was just joking. (laughs) I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Or maybe you're passive aggressive. You withhold attention from somebody. You know, when they say, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, nothing. No, tell me what's wrong. Oh, nothing. Or maybe you do the silent treatment. Anybody ever gotten the silent treatment? Boy, is that fun, huh? It's one of the most dangerous and damaging things you can do in a relationship. Like you don't have a violent explosion. You're kind of like a silent assassin. Don't make a lot of noise when you're angry, but you leave a wake of bodies behind you. Before Cain lost control, God God asked Cain, why are you angry? And God warns him about this pothole, Genesis 4, verse 7. But if you refuse to do what's right, watch out, watch out. It's coming up quick, Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It is eager to control you, but you must subdue it. You must be its master. You got to stop. Identify it. Why are you feeling this way? Because if you don't control it, it's going to control you. 
and affect everybody's life around you. And so here's what anger tends to do. I get angry, I feel angry, I get angry, and I'm just an angry person. How about some more emojis? There we go. Huh? I get angry. I feel angry. <laughs> I'm just an angry person. And God asks why. God asks why are you angry? And for some of you, it might be a warning. He loves you, and out of his love, he warns you the same way he warned Cain. He put his hand on the door and said, Cain, stop there. Stop there. Because what's waiting on the other side of this door is sin. Sin is waiting on the other side of the door. For some of you, maybe today that might be what's happening. God has you here to listen to his word and to hear this story. Old, old story. Because God has his hand on the door. He's saying, stop. Stop. And he wants you to wrestle with the question, why are you angry? Because you're about to walk through a door, and as you walk through the door, you're about to say something that you can't unsay. You're about to do something that you can't undo. And in God's love, he tries to protect us. He warns us. But the question is, are we humble enough to say, you know what? Yeah. I need to deal with that flashing light. I need to do something about it. I need to pay attention to what I'm going to do next. Because I'm at an intersection. And whatever I do next, whatever I say next, is going to matter an awful lot. And so my prayer as we close here this morning is that you and I would be humble enough to identify the feeling we have inside. And we'd be humble enough to recognize God is the only one who can heal it. And we would be humble enough to ask God, ask God to take that anger away. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Say it with me. One more time. Hum. And what I want to do right now is give you a chance just to do that. You've heard a lot of information, a lot of suggestions about anger, but the only way we can accomplish it, overcome it, and not be mastered by it is by understanding why it's there and then humbling ourselves before God and taking it to his throne. I'm going to ask you just bow your heads. Bow your heads. And just spend a few moments humbling yourself before God. <laughs>